0: Hi, this is Steve Thomas, pastor of the First Baptist Church at Delray Beach. Welcome to our podcast. We study God's Word to apply it to our lives in order to make a difference in this life and in eternity. We hope you enjoy this message. We, cry out, we cry out. As Phil mentioned, we're in a series, second week, called Beyond Your Wildest dreams. And I believe that God wants to do things beyond our wildest dreams. This comes out of Ephesians chapter uh, 3. I talked about it last week. Today we'll be in Mark. But Ephesians chapter 3, we see Paul saying, I bend the knee. I bow before my Father on your behalf, O church. I, I pray for you because what I want is for you to be strengthened in your inner being or your inner man. Man, I That's a prayer I like to pray every day. You know, I want to be strengthened in my inner being so that, so that Christ may dwell in you through faith. So that the God of the universe, his spirit could live in me through faith. And it's not just that; it's that so that what I can I can know what the breadth and width, the height and depth of His love, every dimension of His love. That's what happens when the Spirit gets a hold of us. We start to understand and live in the love of Jesus Christ, which is totally different from how we are normally. Amen. I mean, the most loving one among you, and I could point you out right now, but I won't, um, is not nearly as loving. As they are when they're filled with the Spirit, right? When God's Spirit begins to overflow. That's his prayer. That's Paul's prayer for the church. And he goes on to say, what? So if you know this dimension of God's love, you'll be filled with the fullness of God. You'll be completely filled with Him. I know for some of us that could be a little fearful, right? What would happen if I get totally filled? I might get a little weird. I'd be for that, amen? Amen. Because we're all, I don't know if you know this, but all of you are a little bit weird. All of you, just a little bit. Just just a little bit, in a good way, in a good way. All just a little bit weird. I'd like to be a little bit weird for Jesus, right? I'd like to people go, man, that guy is, he's whacked. But man, I'm excited about what I see in him. So I'm confident that God wants to do exceedingly, abundantly above what we could ask or think. And he wants to do that through each of you. Each of you here in this room, each of you on Facebook Live, each of you on YouTube. He wants to do it through you. And so that's what we're looking at in this series. One of the ways that God has blessed me exceedingly abundantly above what I could ask or think is 34 years ago today, Julie and I were married. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thirty-four years ago today, and praise God, we have two of our children right here with us. John and Sarah are with us here as a result of that marriage, and our son Will is in, is in Brooklyn. Uh, we're praising God for what he's done, and we're, it's happened beyond my wildest dreams. I couldn't have imagined what God would do through this marriage for all these years. And one of the things that great memories I have of our marriage was the time in the house that we lived in when the kids were small. There's a picture coming up, I think, in the next slide. There it is. Now, how perfect is that? Amen? I mean, I just look at that and go, man, there was so much going on in that house. you got a big front porch. You sit out there with a glass of lemonade. You talk about your neighbors. I mean, talk to your neighbors. Um, This was in western Kentucky. We spent eight and a half years in this house. This is where uh, John was actually born while we lived in this house. This is where the kids first went to school. When they'd come home, and Julie would have a great snack for them, and they would tell their stories of the day. You remember this? It's just a lot of life going on in that house. It's where our marriage matured. It's where we learned to be parents. It's where the dad shoes would walk across the floor on Sunday morning and alert the kids that it was time to leave, and it would be like this, right? I can't even make it as loud as it was, I think, but I had these great shoes, and we had this really loud floor. It was awesome. So if dad shoes walked across the floor, everyone had to wake up. But so much life happened there. Played ball in the yard. Celebrated holidays with extended family. Grew up. Kids came to know Jesus Christ in that house. Baptized while we lived in that house. But you know, the house wasn't life. But the house was a place for life to happen. Amen? The house protected us from storms and snow and sun and allowed life to happen there in that home. Well, today as we look at Mark chapter 7, we're going to see Jesus do something similar in a house in the land of Tyre and Sidon. So if you would, turn in your Bible or on your device Wherever you are, open the word of God. It will be on the screen if you don't have that available, but I'd love for you to look at your Bible. I think it's really healthy to look at an actual Bible or even an actual device so you can get used to that and it just becomes a part of your week. Mark chapter 7 verses 24 through 30. It's kind of an unusual story. It's not something you would think how Jesus is going to respond here, but it's going to tell a lot about his character. And about how he sees the world. Mark chapter 7, beginning in verse 24, the Bible says this. And from there he arose and went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house and did not want anyone to know, yet he could not be hidden. But immediately a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile The demon has left your daughter. And she went home and she found the child lying in bed. The demon was gone. Would you bow with me and pray? Holy God, would you set aside the things in our lives that are pressing in right now? Would you help us set aside our preconceived ideas? that we've kind of invented and tried to impress upon the text. May you speak through your word to our hearts, because we desperately, desperately need it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We're right here in the middle of Jesus' earthly ministry, and he has just told the Pharisees, he said, it's not what comes into your life that makes you defiled. We're talking about food. He says, it's, it's not if you eat some kind of bad food or the food that wasn't, um, wasn't properly purified, wasn't kosher. That's not what makes you unclean. It's what you allow to be inside of you. See, it's the old thing. It's, it's when you bump, bump the cup, you find out what's on the inside, right? It's not, it's not someone causing you to act a certain way. It's a result of what's already there. And when you bump into them, you find out what's really in, what's really in their lives. That's what defiles them. It's the sin that comes from the heart. We can't blame the outside. We've got to blame what's in here. Amen? We've got to blame what's in here. That's what Jesus has just said. And he's in, at that point, in his homeland, probably in the region of Galilee, in the land of Israel. And then he leaves. It's really interesting. He leaves. He leaves. He goes to the northwest to the coastal town of Tyre, which is northern part of Israel. It's in what is Syria. And so he encounters this Syrophoenician woman, which means they are Phoenicians. Uh, they actually invented the blinds. I don't know if you know about that, but not really. Those are the Venetians. I know you were all thinking that. It was kinda come out. They're Venetian blinds, not Phoenician blinds. I know you're gonna be now you're gonna be thinking about that the whole rest of the time. Man, what are, what are Venetian blinds? See, these Anyway, I keep you all awake, especially you're at home with your pajamas eating Cheerios. I just want to make sure you're staying awake. That's okay if you're in your pajamas eating Cheerios. That's fine. Really, Cheerios are good for you. Um, so he comes to the land of Tyre, and he comes to a house, and he's really wanting to be hidden. You say, why does Jesus want to be hidden? And understand it's what's called the messianic secret in theological terms. But what it means is Jesus is trying to limit his exposure because he knows that if everyone finds out who he is, that his ministry is going to be cut short. They're going to try to make him king or they're going to try to kill him, which we all know happens eventually. But he's wanting to spend as much time as he can or the, the three years that he had planned to spend with his disciples to raise them up so that they can be ready for his departure. And so he's trying to keep things a little on the down low. But he's Jesus. It's pretty tough, right? And so he comes to this house and this woman comes in. Which, as you know, in those days for a man to talk to a woman was a little uncomfortable. Really, you weren't. that didn't happen a lot. Probably there were other people in the room. But the woman comes and she falls on her face before Jesus, humbling herself before him, begging him to deal with the evil that is in her daughter. But Jesus says something really interesting. I mean, this this, verse 27 is just hard hard to fathom. He says, let the children be fed first. For it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs? He's calling this woman a dog, if you will. He's In those days, dogs were not really thought of quite as they are today, where they are elevated to beyond the level of children in some homes, right? I mean, to, the, to us, we'd be going, well, yeah, we're going to feed the dog first. The kids can starve. That's kind of how it is, right? I mean, I've seen people, well, never mind. Let's, let's don't get into the, to the dog strollers and all those kinds of things. But It's fine, but... Um, This was offensive. The best you could think, and really what what the picture is, is he's saying, not probably referring to dogs that are in the street and scavengers, wild dogs, but really more like a family pet who would eat the crumbs from the table. But you would think, well, Jesus, isn't everybody equal? Didn't Jesus come to, he he doesn't care about race or ethnicity. Isn't, Isn't everybody the same? Yes, but... His response is, let the children be fed first. He's talking about his children, his people, the people of Israel. And he says, it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, I'm not going to be distracted from my mission. And my mission is is to use my people, which I promised Abraham. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. He said, I'm going to bless the world through you. I'm going to use you to display my greatness to the world. That's what I'm going to do through you, Israel. He promised that to Abraham. And he says, I'm not going to leave my people, even though my people are really hard to deal with. Even though my people are kind of resistant, they're kind of stiff-necked, they're rebellious, they're really not much fun, they don't get it, they challenge me at every turn. But Jesus will not leave them and go around them to another people. And what he wants to say to her is, My healing ministry is designed for my people to understand who I am. Know this. Jesus is absolutely faithful to you. If you're a follower of Jesus, he will not leave you or forsake you ever. Ever. If you have come to receive him as your Lord and Savior, you have trusted him. You've asked him to save you. Even if you've gotten off track, even if you've gotten distant from him, Jesus is saying, you, you, you follower of mine, you've been grafted into the people of Israel. You, you count as my people. I will not leave you. I will not leave you. I want to encourage you with that today. Don't miss the fact you say, well, you know, I've messed up. This has happened. That has happened. I've been distant. I, you know, I'm really worse than the children of Israel. I, I don't listen, Jesus Christ, if you have breath and he hasn't come back yet, there's still time. He wants to use you in an amazing way. He wants to do through you exceedingly and abundant things that you can't imagine. I want you to be encouraged by that today. That's what he's saying. He said, Listen, listen, Syrophoenician woman. I'm not going to abandon my people and take up with the different people. That's what he's saying. I'll never leave them. Jesus always is faithful to his people. And listen to her response. But she answered him, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. She's like, you know, even even the dogs get something understand who she was the Phoenicians were great traders of luxurious goods on the Mediterranean they were famous for this and not only that but the Phoenicians were very close to Israel they were like close neighbors they built cities together the Phoenicians helped build Jerusalem they did trade missions together they were very close they were allies and partners in most cases They were the only neighbor, as a matter of fact, that Israel never went to war with. Now, they did have, um, they were a polytheistic culture. They had their own gods. But this woman would have likely known the basic outline of the story of Israel's God. She would have known about him, but she didn't know him personally. She'd be like someone who grew up next to a Baptist church, She'd heard the stories, but she didn't know the God. She heard all, she understood what he was about, and she would have understood that there would come a Messiah. There would come this this rescuing king who would restore Israel's glory, who would bring God's power back to bear in the land of Israel. She would have known he was coming. And she's drawn to Jesus because why? because evil has taken over her daughter. You know, we see that so much in our culture today. People really don't think evil is evil. And people grasp it and toy with it and welcome it. The things that... God has said, don't touch, stay away from, stay away from evil. Don't embrace it. People are embracing it constantly, and you see people paying the price. And it's fun at first, and everything was great at first, but eventually, somehow, it got a hold of her daughter in such a way that a demon was living inside of her daughter, and it was wrecking her entire family. Daughter would be okay for a while, and then she wouldn't be, right? Fits, outbursts, different voices, crazy things happening. And this woman becomes desperate. You know, desperation always defeats pride. Desperation always defeats pride. You're going to have to get desperate if you're going to come to Jesus. Amen. You're going to have to get to the point where you're like, you know what? I don't care what this looks like. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what my neighbors say as I'm coming, and I'm going to fall on my face before Jesus because I desperately need him to deal with the evil in my daughter's life. I desperately need him to free us of evil. She falls on her face. Jesus, would you heal my daughter? See, Jesus is always drawing outsiders in. That even though the Phoenicians were not his people, they're still drawn to him. And in fact, at times, we see outsiders have greater faith than insiders. Sometimes, following Jesus, we can become kind of familiar with him, and we don't have the faith maybe that an outsider says, I want that. Maybe if you've grown up in the church, you can kind of get distant from him. You're like, you know what, things are pretty okay. I kind of get away from God. And then you find an outsider come to Christ and say, I can't believe there's this freedom. I can't believe there's this forgiveness. I can't believe Jesus is going to deal with my evil in this way. And she just simply says, look, Jesus, I know I don't in any way deserve it, but I only need some crumbs. That's all I need. I'm not asking you to distract your whole mission. I don't want to I don't want to get you off base. I'm not asking for anything other than this. Would you just give me some crumbs? Because that's all I need. Would you like to have some crumbs today? Jesus, I'll be the dog under the table. I'll be the dog. I'm fine with being the dog on the table as long as I can get some of your precious crumbs that go past your people or maybe that they don't even see. And as they sweep off the table, they come to the floor and I get to eat some of your crumbs. God, can you imagine what the crumbs of Jesus will be like? I just need you to handle one little thing. It's a very small thing for you to do. We say this, whatever your greatest need is this morning, it's a small thing for Jesus to handle. It's not too much. I think sometimes we look at evil and go, well, it can't be defeated. There's no way we can stop it. It's evil. It's taken over. Jesus can handle it just like that. We're going to have to get humble. We're going to have to just desire the crumbs. Jesus, I'll take it. Whatever you can give me. And that verse, Ephesians 3.20, just rings in our ears when we say that, doesn't it? But he can do exceedingly abundantly above what we could ask or think, way more than we're even asking for. That's what he wants to do. And that's what the Syrophoenician woman finds out. I love Jesus' response to her. In verse 29, he said, For this statement you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. I love that. You see, Jesus will never turn away humble faith. He will always respond to humble faith. As long as you're breathing, as long as he hasn't come back yet, in this era of grace, he will always respond to humble faith. I hope that's incredibly encouraging for you. Jesus doesn't say, "Well, you know, you're going to have to you're going to have to show me how good you are. You have to keep your life together for a certain amount of time and then we'll see." What does he say? "No, I'm ready to heal you today. I'm ready to do amazing things in your life today." I will never he never turns aside someone on their face, saying, Jesus, would you heal me? That's how he is, and that's who he is. You see this story, so the woman's, the child gets healed, and you go, why is this here? This is nice, but it's really not all that unique, or maybe it is. It's Jesus going to a house, meeting with a woman. It's really the only reason that we know he went there. He's at a house, he meets with a woman who's foreign, and she gets some crumbs. That's really the story, right? Here's what I think Jesus is doing. See, Jesus isn't abandoning his people. He's foreshadowing what he will ultimately do through his people, through another kind of house called a church. He is showing her that eventually, I'm going to send my people to your people. My people will come and they will build churches. They will be churches in foreign lands and they will welcome your people. They will deliver my good news to all over the world. That's what Jesus is up to here. He's saying, listen, the house that I'm in right now, my people will build and I will meet with those who are far from me. You see, God's always had a house, hasn't he? Ever since the tabernacle. What did he say? He said to Moses, build me a tabernacle, this incredible tent structure. He said, build this, bring bring this wherever you go in the wilderness. And through this house is where I'm going to come and meet with my people. That's going to be the connection. This place, this house, this tabernacle. Later, the temple. Solomon built the temple. This is where I will dwell. This is where sin will be dealt with. This is where my people will worship. The temple will be the place of connection between God and the lost and his people. And then we know when Jesus came, he stood outside the temple and he said, I'll tear this down and I'll rebuild it in three days. He referred to his body now being the temple, the connection between God and man, his spirit within him. And then at Pentecost, his spirit was poured out on human beings just like you and me to build the church, to be the connection between God and man. Not to be God, but to be the place where people get to meet with God. See, that's what we're called to be. We're called to be the house. I want to encourage you today. Be the house. Like, Steve, I, don't, I really know what you mean. What, what do you mean, be, be the house? Think about it. Some of you might be the front door. Jesus says, I want you to open the door the way Brian Hall did today for us as he was our greeter today. I want You, you may just be able to introduce me to, people to me. And just be able to open the door. You don't have to solve every problem. You just need to make the door the opening. Maybe the initial introduction of this is who Jesus is. Some of you may need to be the garage. We're not all of us or everything. You just need to get in there and help people fix stuff. Right? That's what the garage is for. Or it's a place where you store stuff you can't fit in your house. Amen? Some people, but really the garage is where you're supposed to. It's where you fix things. That's where you get things right. Some of you may need to be in the kitchen. That's your part of the house. And you're preparing things for people. You're helping people have their needs met. For some of you around the table. And you're just sitting down across the table from someone saying, I just want to hear. I just want to be a blessing to you. I want to open up the Bible and share God's word that I hope is a blessing to you. See, often I think we feel like we've got to do it all. All we've really got to do is make a place for God to meet with humans. Be that place. Be the house, just like our house was when our kids were little. Still is today. It's just a different house. It's a place where life happens. See, Jesus is calling you. If you're a follower of His, to be the house. Figure out who needs something. How you can meet their need with with the uh, with the message of Christ. Be the house. Now, some may say today, you know what, Steve, I, I think I'm spiritually homeless. I've never known the house. I've never been able to come really and have a, a meaningful encounter with Jesus Christ. Welcome to our house. Welcome to our house. If you're here today and you say, you know what? I, I, I don't think I've had that encounter with this Jesus to, to deal with the evil in me. We'd love to talk with you if you're with us online Email me, steve at fbcdelray.com. I'd love to have a conversation with you. If you're here present, I'd love to talk with you after the service, socially distance, and hear how we can connect you with Jesus Christ. But in these days of COVID, it's easy to get outside of the house a little bit and to forget what our mission really is about being the house doing all sorts of other things, just trying to keep our lives together, and we start to lose the connection with the house. I want to ask you today, what would Jesus call you to do even this week to help people connect to him? You don't have to tell the whole story of the Bible, okay? You really don't. You just have to be Jesus and meet them where they are. And there are people that most of you are actually encountering real people at some point. Or there, maybe there's people online that you're encountering that you can be a blessing to. Would you be the house? As things are opening back up, as our church is getting uh, more and more things, are, I want to encourage you, you know, I'd like to be a part of the house. I'd like to help with the children, or I'd like to help in this area. I, I, or, or maybe you have someone that you're trying to bless in your community, and you have a question. Steve, I don't know how to answer this question. I'd love to help you with that. So you can be the house, the place where Jesus meets with people to this world. You see, to me, and I hope to you, that is exceedingly abundantly above what we could ask or think. That God would use us, just regular, normal, flawed, sometimes goofy people, to pour his spirit through. That we can just be that structure, that connection between people and God. It's really pretty simple. It's just a question of, are we willing? Will you be the house where life happens? Will you do that? Imagine what could happen in this community if each one of us were praying, God, I want you to fill me today so that I can be the connection between someone and you today. Imagine what could happen through you. And the joy when you see someone have the lights come on. Maybe someone who needs to be restored. Maybe someone who needs to receive Christ for the first time. Maybe someone who just needs to be cared for. That's why the Spirit lives in you. Would you pray with me? Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to our website at fbcdelray.com. Also, click the share button so you can share this message with a friend or someone in need as we seek to know Jesus, to know others, and to make him known. We cry out, we cry out.